Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to a special bonus edition of the Paul Ryder Tapes. We will be back next week with the grand finale of the main series, but this week it's a special extended interview with Paul's mum, Linda Ryder. The boys were very close when they were young, weren't they? Very close. Were they very similar to how, how they became as adults or were they... Did they evolve differently? No, Sean was very, never kept still, always on the go, never shut up. And Paul was very, um, not lethargic, but very come a day, go a day. And didn't, he was a worrier, but you would never have thought it. So what was the relationship like between them when they were like six and seven? Oh, they were like glue with one another. They went everywhere together, did everything together. It was only, well, I think the big crunch came as they grow older and, you know, the band took off. That's right. when they weren't like each other then. So what do you think went wrong? Like, what do you think drove the wedge between them? I, I don't know. Um... I mean, maybe it was more that, that Sean be, being the front man was getting a lot of attention and, and yeah but Paul didn't want the attention him and Gary wouldn't do it they wouldn't do the publicity yeah. or anything no way yeah. and then I think yeah. perhaps as time went on and Bez was getting all the attention I mean you know it was very frustrating to think that Paul was such a good musician and yet mm. He didn't seem to get the recognition 
that he should have got. No, no, he didn't. It's very wow. sad that he didn't actually get to hear all of those accolades. Um, yeah. You know, it's like, why do people wait until something terrible happens before this? They well, death sells, doesn't it? So it has done always will do. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's go back to the days. We talked a little bit about Derek and his act. I want you to tell me a little bit more about the Derek and Barry's act and what kind of things they did and, and how funny they were. Well, they started off in a folk group. Yeah. Different folk groups. Then they were together, then they split, then they were back together again. And then they decided that there would be a comedy duo. But... Um, with music as well. A bit like old-time musical, really. So they got this sort of act together and Derek played various instruments and they bounced his comedy off Barry and they played... Well, they did all the local hotels in Blackpool and working men's clubs and what have you. So he was very musical in his own right, Derek, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, multi-talented. He could play... Um, that's a banjo ukulele on the wall. He gave Manny his blue long neck banjo out of... You know, Manny who was in Stone Roses and Primal Scream. He's got Derek's long neck, big long neck banjo. He had the accordion... Uh, the ukulele, it was brilliant pianist. Amazing. Yeah. Do you think he wanted Sean and Paul to get into music? Was he kind of behind the scenes, like, urging them to do what they did, do you think? Um, well, they sort of saw what he was doing and decided for himself. And it was funny the day that Paul had gone to Piccadilly with Derek and said he wanted to start a band. The very same day, Sean had been to see David Essex in That'll Be The Day. And he came in and said, I want to start a band. I want to be in That'll Be The Day like David Essex. And Paul said, oh, that's funny that because I've decided I want to be in a band today. Really? And so, that was because yeah. Paul, had, Paul had been to Piccadilly Radio with Derek, did he say? Hmm. And uh, when they did a session there, and right. he went with Derek, and coming back on the way home, he said, I think I'll be in a band. Did you have any idea when they first started of how successful they were going to be? Not a clue at all. What did you think they would do? I just thought they were doing it to keep themselves occupied and just entertain themselves. They always said they never wanted to be famous. Did they really? Don't want to be famous, we just want to do the indie music that they did. Because yeah. it wasn't top of the pop stuff that they did. It's just that it got, it got, well they did top of the pops, it got popular. Do you remember Paul watching Top of the Pops when he was seven or eight? He talked about that a lot. Well, we always watch, we always watched Top of the Pops, but Paul never said very much, so he probably kept it to himself. You know, Paul Paul was always very quiet, uh, didn't say very much unless it was um, of the utmost importance. And then 
he he said that he started to have bass lessons, but it, it clashed with watching Top of the Pops. Do you remember that? Well, he started to have bass lessons. Somebody came to the house to teach him the bass. We found him a tutor. And then after that, he said, I don't want him to come anymore because like Derek with the piano, when the piano teacher told his mother, he was putting things in that wasn't in the sheet music. Well, Paul had started putting his own twiggly bits in that the, the teacher wasn't uh, teacher wasn't telling him to, you know. So we stopped. We stopped the told the teacher not to come again. And uh, at the time, they did a program on television. Uh, I can't remember how to play. And one of them was how to play the bass, and he used to watch it. So we sent off for the teaching tapes, and he got the teaching tapes, but then he had a little setup in his bedroom that his dad had built him, and he'd built himself. So he puts his own twiggly bits in. Did it bother you, the sound of him practising? No, because we had my mum's when we got married, my mum sent my piano with me. Derek had a guitar and when Sean was little and when he was a baby and when Paul was a baby, um I used to be on the piano. Derek would be on the guitar and we'd give the, we'd give them a tin plate with a spoon. And they <laughs> they bang the tin plate with a spoon, um, or a, or a, or a pan lid for symbols, pan lids for symbols. So it's never bothered me the noise. So Paul talks a lot about how you were very cool parents. Yeah, he, he said that you were you weren't the typical parents, and you weren't you were very kind of liberal and understanding with the way you were. Mm, I suppose we were really. But I suppose it's because Derek was different. My mum used to say, why don't you get a nice boy? And I'd say, I've got a nice boy, but it's different. I don't want the norm. Just describe how, when you say Derek was very different, describe him how he was different. Like, what made him different? Quite flamboyant in his dress. You wouldn't think it in later years. He turned into the man in black. We'd wear nothing but black, but it was always the height of fashion. Mm, I suppose Sean and Paul probably take after him for that. It was like two opposites attract. You know, I wasn't a bit like him and he wasn't a bit like me. But then we found out that we both liked... In fact, he thought I had a funny eye because I was so shy. I wouldn't look at him and he told his friend he'd met this girl but it was a shame really because she had this funny eye that looked away <laughs> um yeah he we found out that we both like Fats Domino and and then uh I had a pen friend in America and I used to get a lot of records sent to me before they came out over here. So that was probably what attracted him to me, that I had all the latest records. <laughs> and who were the records by? 
Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck Berry, people who was famous in America, but you hear them now, but not over here at that particular time. And what was the setup like at home in terms of playing the records? Like, would you would you play them in the kitchen, and while the like the kids were exposed to all that music? Well, it wasn't so much after we'd had the children, um, but then by that time when they were growing up a little bit, we'd got this record collection, and they'd come and take ours and play them in the room, and then the majority of our records, especially all the Duane Eddy ones, ended up on the Albion jukebox. They used to put, took them in the pub and they put them on the jukebox there. We never got them back. And when they got a bit older and punk started coming along, did you get into the music that they were into? Or did you find that like, or did you understand their musical tastes as they were developing as teenagers? Some of it. Derek did. He was always looking for new bands and new ideas and stuff like that. Some of it I didn't. I didn't like the Sex Pistols. Uh, I appreciated them years later, you know, what, they, what they'd done and what they were doing. And uh, in fact, um, down the line as years had gone by, I met quite a few of them at different social functions that we were at. So Derek ended up being able to give up his job to to work with the with the band when they when they started to become successful. Tell me a bit about that. Well, before that, he run he hired a van. He ran them. He did the sound. The very first tapes we did was the what they call the bungalow tapes, which is around the corner from where I am now, in my mum's bungalow and. Uh, she'd had a dormer put on and they'd got microphones dangling down the stairs and I've still got all the I've still got all the tapes. I've not got rid of any of the boys' early tapes. I've got them all. And I've still got all the rejection letters. London yeah. Records, Capital Records, you name it. Who are you like? We're not like anybody, but you need to be like somebody. This is what they used to write back. You need to get an image. What do you dress like? Well, they dress like um, the from the underground markets in Manchester, Phil Sachs's, um, yeah. Phil Sachs's yeah. store. Yeah, amazing. At what point did you think, oh, my goodness, they're actually, they've made it? Like, when did it click with you that, this is more than just a hobby for them and they're actually doing this properly now. When Factory signed them, when right. Factory signed them and uh, Anthony Wilson sent me a great big case of champagne and then when they were on, um, they were on, the, I think it was the other side of Midnight that Tony Wilson did. Um, my dad had come out of hospital quite poorly and he, no, that was my mum. She was saying about, oh, I want to see them on the telly. And it was the week after she died that they made it onto the other side of midnight. Then my dad, he got quite poorly not long after. And that's when they were on top of the pops. And he said, I, I kept saying, come on, dad, go and get into bed. We'll get you upstairs. 
I want to see the boys on the telly. And he watched them on the telly. We took him up to bed and he died the next day. Oh, so he got his wish of seeing them on the telly. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's something else happened with Factory when Anthony Wilson, some big deal, I can't quite remember what it was. It was either the signing. Oh. Could it have been the battle we, of the Bam, winning the battle of the bands contest? No, that was that was before Factory, wasn't it? There was another one that Factory put on, and the winners of that got to yes. release a single. Is that what you're talking about? That's right. Yes, yes. So then I got a case of miniature bottles of vodka of Anthony Wilson, and it's the first time I'd ever. I'd never had a drink in my life. Till I was in the 40s. I'd never been interested in alcohol. And I got the champagne and then uh, Anthony Wilson said, they used to say to me, oh, come on, mother, have a drink. Rax, have a drink. And Tony Wilson sent me, it was like a thing of cardboard box with all these miniature bottles of vodka. All different flavours, and they were lovely, except the peppered one. I didn't like that. And Tony Wilson never called Derek Derek, uh, and he never called me Linda. He always called me Mrs Ryder and Mr Ryder. And Derek once asked him, why didn't he call him Derek? And he said, that is a sign of respect. Oh, he was brilliant, Tony, wasn't he? What a brilliant... Yeah. Brilliant man. I mean, I've met a few celebs in my time, but he's the one that I was starstruck whenever I was in his presence. Like, yeah. there's just, he had an aura about him, didn't he? Like a kind yeah. of magic about him. His dad used to have the paper shop at Royal Green around the corner from where we were, because he used to always call to our house when he'd been to see his dad. Get to the point where, where Derek... Um, has been able to give up... Do you remember when Derek made that decision to give up his job? Derek was doing everything and he was driving them all over the country and he'd get in about three o'clock in the morning and he was working at the post office at the time and uh, he used to wake me up and say, can you, can you stay awake for three quarters of an hour while I go to sleep and then go on to work? And it got to the stage where, you know, he couldn't do it any longer. 
and decided that I was working at the time, so he went for it. And mm. how did you feel about that? I took everything in my stride, really. You know, I'm just sort of easy going and what will be, will be. One thing Derek did feel guilty about, and no, the boys never ever knew this, and he felt really bad at letting Derek down, at Barry down. And it was at the time the boys was just taking off and they were offered a big contract on the cruise ships and they were going to give the jobs up to go and do the cruise ships. They were offered this. And Derek just said to Barry, I'm sorry, Barry, the way things are looking, the job situation, you know, at the time, he said, I've got to encourage the boys in the band. He said, so I'm going to concentrate on them and not do it myself anymore. It seems to me like Derek was totally the person that was driving the machine. It was because I, my family gave me opportunities. If I wanted to do anything, they gave me the opportunity. Derek's family wasn't like my family and he didn't get opportunities. He didn't get backup of his parents and what have you. Um, you know, you reach a certain age, you get out to work and get a job. Um, and he always said he never wanted to be like that. He would, you know, let the, his own children, if they wanted to do something, he would back them 100%, no matter what it was. Yeah. Do you remember first reading about them in the papers? I stopped reading the papers, any bad publicity. And people used to say, oh, and I used to say, sorry, it's news to me. I don't read the gutter press. I read the Guardian, the reviews of the the concerts, not all bad press. So one of Paul's main reasons for wanting to do this podcast was to put right some of the lies and some of the myths and some of the untruths that had been told about the band. Is there anything that that particularly annoyed you that you that you heard that completely wasn't true that you want to put right oh lots of it lots of it but then if i spoke out i'd spoil the myth wouldn't i so i never said i never said a word i never denied anything or i just used to be in bolivia of it you know as if it didn't happen because i didn't read it and that's what made me a bit of a mystery woman, I think, really. But I could never, I would never spoil the illusion. And Derek used to say, there's no such thing. All publicity is publicity. Take no notice of it. So I had to switch off like that. It was very hard at times, being at school. But then it never bothered me because I thought... People who know us, really know the family, know it's not like that. So the the band broke up and then Paul went through a very difficult time that you were right on the edge of because he was, he was living yeah. with you. That must have been really, really difficult. Very, very stressful. 
because we have the children and we have to keep everything as normal as possible for the children. Yeah. And we also have to support Paul and get him well. Yeah. Did you did you always believe that he would come out of it and he would be okay eventually? Or did you ever lose hope? I didn't lose hope, but I didn't know what to believe. I, I, my philosophy is just take each day as it comes. Yeah. Live each day as it comes and accept what you've got to face. I think I've always, I've always been a bit like that, you know. You don't judge, you don't judge people. You accept, it's part of who I am. You accept the good with the bad and you just get on with it. He talks a lot, obviously, about his drug issues and, and trying, to, trying to get off drugs and everything. And you were always, you and Derek were always very supportive of that and non-judgmental which I know he was really grateful for. But that that must have been really... Well, I know, because I lived alongside it with you for a lot, for a lot of the time. How yeah. how did you cope with that? I don't know. I really... Yeah. Sometimes I don't know how we got through it because we always had to think of the children. Yeah. So you just had to... If I thought, I'd probably have ended up breaking down myself, but... You've got to think of the children. And I still yeah. had to work. I still had to carry on with yeah. with children in my work. Yeah. So it was very, very hard. And you yeah. keep on a brave face. Yeah. Mm, and you don't judge. Did you ever lose hope that he wouldn't be able to stop taking drugs and that that would be the end of him? Did you ever... Or did you always keep hope that he would come through that, as he did? Always hope. But those were some rough old days, weren't they? <laughs> they certainly were. Derek always had a saying that God only gives it to them that can take it. And I when he thinks they've had it, when he thinks they've had enough, he gives them a rest for a while then it's back to the grindstone. And I've always believed in that. Very, mm. very true. Did you go to Barbados when they were recording Yes Please? Yes, I did, yeah. I took Jacob and Amelia on a plane, not on my own, with Simon Machen's then girlfriend who had a little girl. And everything, while I was in Barbados that three week, I've got lovely photographs with Sean. Everything seemed to be fine and dandy when I was around. I stayed in uh, some Lord's Castle. Right. They stayed in Eddie Grant's place. Right. So... I wasn't always around. I was with Derek and the children in Sam Lord's Castle. And I think after I came home, we were hearing these stories and I'm thinking, oh my God, what on earth is going to happen next? <laughs> I certainly can't ever say I've had a dull life. No. Definitely no. not. Like, I think if you if you were to choose the boys being 
plumbers or carpenters or just doing something kind of stable or doing what they've done, you'd probably pick the life that they've had for them, wouldn't you? Yes. They've had, well, they've, they've had experiences, and so have I, that not many right. people have had. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after that, it all fell apart, and, and Paul fell apart for a while, and, and things didn't go very well. well. Yeah, it was horrendous, really, because all the eggs were in the same basket, weren't they? Paul, Derek, and we've got Jacob and Amelia with us and Paul was living with us and there was only me working. So it was very hard. It was a struggle. It was like keeping, what, two, four, five five people off just my, you know, just my wage. So let's fast forward to 2012 when it was announced in The Sun and first Paul knew of it was when it, he read it in the Sun that the band were reforming with all of the original members with the original lineup. How did you feel when you heard that that was happening? I believe it when I see it. Did you think it would happen or not? Yes. Yeah, I re- yeah. at the back of my mind, I always thought it would happen yeah. because it's like history repeating itself along with so many other bands, isn't it? I always hoped it would happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was oh, nice wow. to see old faces again. Were you worried that Paul and Sean would never agree to work together again after they first split up? Did you think that that would, that would be it or did you always know that they would kind of reconcile? Well, did they reconcile? They worked together and they were always, always very diplomatic at family dues. Family occasions, you'd have thought nothing was wrong. I've got to thank them for that, and I admire them for it. That anything family, it didn't, it didn't boil over into family functions. Not like some people. It was very diplomatic. Yeah. Did you think it would go on as long as it did? I never, ever, ever thought they'd go on this long. You see, bands, when they're younger, they come and they go. And I never, ever, I don't think either of us did, thought it would, you know, thought it would go on for over over 30 years. As a mother, how, how proud are you of their achievements? Oh, very proud, very proud. What about when people uh, ask you, are you related? Tell me about how It happens to you quite a lot, doesn't it? I just play it down. They recognise the name and I just say, yes. So they say, well, what, re- what relation are you? And I, I'm the mother. Oh, <laughs> but people, whenever they meet me and recognise me, they do not associate me and even my own doctor said, when we see you, I mean, the new pop, because he was, we can't piece together the way you are and your family are and the publicity. They read, right. you know, they read about the band. Yeah. <laughs> because you're so prim and proper, aren't you? <laughs> oh, Anna, really? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh. 
Oh, brilliant. We'll do more on the 24th when Sandra's coming. Well, I don't think I've got much more I can say, oh, but there's plenty no more. doubt Sandra will. There's plenty more, plenty more. No, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. That's all we have for this week, but we've got plenty more from Linda and Linda and Sandra coming up in other bonus episodes. Please join us next week for the grand finale of the series. Here's a sneak peek. The window was open and I crept up behind you and grabbed the phone off you. Mm, I totally And saw this. this text thread conversation with you and this woman oh. it was obviously there was something going on between you so I called her we met Ronnie Biggs uh, great show well it's nice to meet somebody who plays such a uh, you know an historical moment in British history and uh, yeah we met Piers Morgan yeah yeah who actually said I spiked his burger so it was like me and you and your new partner and her ex-husband yeah. <laughs> and their kids all yeah. around the Christmas dinner table. Yeah. Which was actually really cool, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really good day. Yeah. People still talk about that Christmas dinner. Before drugs and everything, I didn't. I was more of a beer monster, and they, they disappeared. And I wondered why they're coming back happy. What they're doing? Oh, smoking weed, weren't they? they? Didn't tell me about it. The other project that you're doing in collaboration with Gaz. Is a movie. Is the movie. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> so it's about a Manchester band who existed 25 years ago and they're offered this uh, great chance to get back together. Right. With, um, but with a uh, unsavoury type manager. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I played with him, he wasn't ill. You know, he was happy. You know, he, he didn't even... The thing with the fire and stuff, he just was like, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't bitter about anything, you know, he, he seems to be fine. Happy with his kids, happy with everything, you know, and grandchildren. So, in a way, that's all, because you've got to look at the good things. We're playing out this week with a demo track that Paul did with his Los Angeles collaborator, Matt Cheadle. 
It's got room for a guest vocal in the verse, so let me know who you think would be good to add some singing to this. The track is called Scandalise and I really love it. Have you given us a review yet? If you've not, please, I know it's boring, but please do. It really will help us. And also, if you're watching this on the YouTube channel, please subscribe. I want to say a big thank you to Tom Ryan and Jacoby Good for becoming our new patrons of the show. And thank you to all of our patrons who actually paid for this show to be edited, which really, really does make a difference when people support us like that. So we really appreciate you. Please go to our Patreon account, which is patreon.com forward slash the Paul Ryder tapes and join in the club. Also, you can go to our website, which is paulrider.tv, to check out the merch in our shop and to check out the links to our socials. Um, Lots of chat going on there, lots of really good stuff, so do please check us out. All right, lots of love to you all. Big, big thanks to the amazing Linda Ryder for being the special bonus edition guest this week. And of course, as usual, big love and thanks to the big man himself, the star of the show, the late, great Paul Anthony, big arm, Ryder. So don't forget, please join us again next week for the grand finale. Lots of love to everyone and see you next week. Bye. Listening Productions. <laughs>